Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. Man, I just want to say thank you in advance. You know, we really are so expectant for what God is going to be doing in these coming days. And today really is a celebration. It's the beginning of a party uh, as we look at at the provision of God as we each just simply gave what we have. And I can't wait to see um, more than what we need come in because that's what happens, right? When we give what we have, God turns it in. He transforms it. He multiplies it into more than what we need. And, And so we're just so expectant as we're looking into these next coming days, these last kind of six weeks of being in this space as we're planning to move into Lanier High School. I was there again this past week, man. It's so cool. I'm so excited just walking around. It's just so fun to dream into all that God is going to do there. And as we're making room for more people, it's just, it's just exciting. And so, again, thank you. Thanks for being a part of that story uh, that God's telling. And I just want to say, and I mean it, the best really is yet to come. Uh, We just really are believing that what we've seen doesn't even compare to what we're going to see. And it's going to be an exciting couple of weeks as we begin to continue to prepare the way. And we've been in a series of talks over the past five weeks called Can You Believe We Get to Do This, right? We've celebrated just the amazing expectation of the privilege of being here And getting to do the work of God in this city at this time. For such a time as this. Like, can you believe we get to be here? We get to celebrate with each other. We get to worship. We get to give. I mean, this is an exciting time. And we've used Isaiah 40 as our anchor passage for this season that we're in as a church. And I want to read it to us starting in verse 3. It says, a voice of one calling In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God, that every valley shall be raised up and every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And this morning I want to talk to you about the topic of foundation. Uh, Foundations matter. Would you agree? Foundations are very important. So if you're a note taker, it means you're close to the heart of God. You need to write down on the top of your paper, if you build on fluff, life will be rough. Can I say that one more time? If you build on fluff, life will be rough. How many of you have ever run out of gas? Not that many. Bunch of liars, man. Okay, I've run out of gas two times, and I hated both of them, okay? But I still like to drive by faith. Anybody else like to drive by faith, not by sight? You see it's like on the E, but you're like, how, how on the E am I right now? And you, you begin to gauge it out. You know, you engage the Holy Spirit in the matter. Lord, what do I got? 
right? Drive by faith, not by sight, you know? I'm a faith guy. It, it applies to every aspect of my life. But sometimes you run out of gas when you're playing the faith game with the gauge. Now, a few times it was my fault. I cut it too close. I, I sputtered into a few gas stations. One time I literally ran out of gas at the stoplight caddy corner to the gas station. You know, I cut it close. But there was one time in particular that I ran out of gas that actually wasn't my fault. We were working at a church at the time, the Antioch in San Diego, California, called All People's Church. How many of you guys remember hearing from Pastor Rob a few weeks ago? An incredible communicator. Loved that church. It was a privilege to be on that team for a season. We learned so much from them. We just love what God's doing in San Diego. Love that we're connected to them. Um, they're really like a sister church to us, and we're thankful for their investment in um, who we are becoming uh, as we believe in them as they're becoming all that they're called to become as a church. But Liz and I were working there, and I was uh, on staff as the college pastor at the time, and um, me and my best friend, his name's Joel Sanders, okay, the colonel, we call him, Colonel Sanders. And, um, and so it's time for us to go to what's called USCON, okay? It's the U.S. Conference for all the Antioch churches. Um, they all come together once a year for like a four-day conference, and it's like a family reunion slash worship time slash pray for each other time slash hear amazing teaching time. It's the highlight of all of our years. We love it, and it kind of floats around the country because there's, church, there's Antiochs all over the country. And so this year, particularly, it was in North Carolina, Okay, we were in San Diego, California, the other side. So we lost. But this year, actually this year, it's in Waco, so we win. Holla at your boy. So Joel and I are sitting in the office, and we're thinking, like, dude, man, this is going to cost us a fortune to fly to North Carolina. It's going to be so expensive. And Joel goes, dude, I got it. Let's drive. He goes, Dana, which is his wife, Dana's dad has this huge diesel excursion we can turn the back of it into like a living room. It's so huge. We'll get on a rotation. Look, I'm easy to get fired up about stuff. So I'm like, yes, absolutely. Like, dude, I am in. We didn't even tell the girls. We are planning this trip, where we're stopping, how we're going to do it. You know, like it is on. And then we inform them like, oh, hey, by the way, uh, we're driving across the entire country. It's going to take four days, and we're not going to stop. We're going to be on a rotation, and we're, we're never going to get a hotel. It's like literally you're going to sleep if you're not driving. We're just going to get straight there. Doesn't that sound fun? And, and Liz, actually, because she's adventurous and smoking hot, love you, babe. She did think it was fun. And so we were like, let's do it. We're all fired up. We load everything up. We pack it out. My parents flew to San Diego to watch our kids. Man, we're having a great time. And we take off. We're cruising in this excursion. Man, it's going awesome. We're in a rotation. We're like two and a half days deep. And we're in a rhythm. We're actually having a great time. Like things are going really, really well. We're in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee. And then all of a sudden, Joel was driving, by the way. 
I'm like, Joe, what happened? He's like, I don't know, dude. Like the, it says that we have like an eighth of a tank of diesel, but it's acting like it doesn't have anything. We're just like sputtering. <laughs> he pulls off to like the shoulder on this random mountain passage in Tennessee. Like I'm beginning to hear horror music like playing in the background. Like this is like early morning. The sun's just coming up. We're stranded in the mountains of Tennessee. I'm like, no one's ever going to know we existed. Like, we're done, you know? We see this overpass in the front and, like, kind of down the road. So we asked the girls, like, hey, y'all want to come with us or y'all want to stay? They had been sleeping. They're like, we'll just stay. Just, we'll just lock the car. And, like, you guys go see if you can try to find gas. And so we're like, okay, cool. And so, like, we start walking, and we're just, like, so dumbfounded. Like, how in the world did we run out of diesel? It says it has an eighth of a tank. We even, like, call Dana's dad and be like, hey, have you ever heard of this happening? He's like, no, this is, it must have been on empty. You can't see. You know, we're like, no, dude, I promise you. It says like an eighth of a tank. So we actually are walking down the side of the road. We're, you can't even see the excursion. A cop car pulls over two random dudes walking on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere in Tennessee, right? You better believe they were suspect about what in the world we were doing. And we were like, oh, officer, we're so glad to see you. Like, thank you so much for stopping. Like, we're stranded. I don't know if you saw that excursion on the side of the road. That was us. We ran out of diesel, and we're just hoping that there's a, a gas station that has diesel up there. He's like, actually, there is. You see that overpass? You're almost there. There's a, there's a gas station that has diesel there. You're right there. And then he looks at us, a civil servant, and he says, I'm late for a meeting. I got to go. <laughs> Didn't even give us a ride. I'm like, dude, is this like your whole job is to like help people? As we like watch this, you just drive off. I'm like, thank you, sir. So we make our way, we get diesel, we walk all the way back. And, and here's the, what we didn't know is that when a diesel engine runs out of diesel, it's like catastrophic. Okay. It's not like a gas engine. But we didn't know that. We just, like, poured diesel in, and we're just, you know, just, like, grinding it. Finally, miracle, it starts. And we're like, cool. But we're still just, like, perplexed. We get to North Carolina. We still can't figure it out. At this point, we filled up. Like, once it passed halfway, we filled up. You know, like, we are staying full. Like, we passed the gas station. We just got diesel. It's like, let's get more. Like, we're, like, not even reading the gauge. It's just, like, any opportunity, top it off. You know, like... We are not, this is not going to happen again. But man, I wonder how many things in our life are kind of like that. You're reading a gauge and the gauge is lying to you. And you're cruising like everything is fine. All is good. Everything looks great. Everything that you're looking for, your foundational triggers are looking clean. But then all of a sudden, boom, it blows up. And you're wondering, why in the world did I run out? Because it looked like the gauge had more in it. How many of you know that if what you're looking at is faulty, your decision making will be faulty? If the foundation of what's shaping the decisions that you're making is filled with fluff, life is going to be rough. Foundations are everything. If you want transformation to last in your life, you have to consider your foundation, not just your encounter. Come on, somebody. You can't just consider and chase encounter. We have to deal with the foundation that the encounter is 
landing on. It doesn't matter how beautiful it is what God is building. It doesn't matter how extravagant it is what God is doing. If your foundation is faulty, then everything is faulty. Check this picture out. This was a million-dollar home that was built at Lake Whitney. They spent over a million dollars to build this castle. Keep flipping it through. But they didn't check their foundation. So all of the sudden, the ground that they built the house on began to fall away underneath it. So you have a million-dollar home, a dream home, like their nest egg. They invested so much of their retirement into this place. They made it everything that they wanted it to be. But because the foundation wasn't solid, it didn't matter what they built on top of it. Foundations matter. When we read Isaiah 40 and we start talking about preparing the way, you know, week one, we said, man, what a privilege it is to prepare, right? The privilege of preparation to be the one calling in the desert. But then that next sentence is prepare the way for the Lord. And what Isaiah then articulates for us revolves solely around foundation preparation. Listen to it again. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley shall be raised up and every mountain and hill made low. The rough grounds shall become level, and the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Here's the promise. God is coming, right? We've been talking about that. God is going to come. He's going to come extravagantly. He's going to come with transformation and power and hope. He's going to come with fresh life. But when he comes, what's he going to land on? That, that, that's what this preparing the way is all about. Prepare the ground, deal with the rough places so that when God begins to come and build on your life, there's not soft spots that will compromise everything that he is building. I mean, we all have soft spots in our foundation. Humanity as a general rule is volatile. Have you experienced this? Like are the human soul is not considered stable. Do you feel stable? No. Look, look, my wife was at Starbucks last week. Two grown men almost go to blows over a barking dog. Humanity is not stable. Have, have, you, have you heard people bickering about waiting in line? Have you felt your soul want to kill people and you're so glad people can't hear your thoughts? The human heart is not stable. The human soul would not be considered consistent. The human soul is inconsistent. I mean, this, this description of what needs to be prepared that Isaiah gives us, man, that is a great description of the human soul, mountains and valleys and deserts and rough places. I mean, this, this is what the opportunity is for us in preparing the way is saying, God, would you deal with my soul so that when you come and when you move in so much power and so much extravagance and so much grace and so much life, 
that it lands on a solid foundation. That there's not fluff that's going to lead to my life being rough. But that I land on a rock, a stable place. God, would you begin to do a deep work of transformation in me so that when you begin to move on me and through me, the foundation has settled. You know, I don't know anything about construction. I'm not going to lie to you and say that I know how to fix stuff. I don't. Some of you guys have already heard this, but I don't know anything about construction. I know enough to get in trouble. But here's what I've learned from people who know a lot about construction. You have trouble seeing if the foundation is not stable when you're building the house. It takes two to three years for the foundation to settle. And when it settles, that's when the problems begin to emerge. The floor begins to crack. The walls begin to split. It makes a lot of sense when you think about the way that God moves in our life. I mean, have you ever had an encounter with Jesus that was transformative? He touches you. Man, all of a sudden, you are changed. You're, you're transformed. You're, your world has been turned upside down. I mean, I remember when I was in high school, the very first time God really got a hold of my heart. I mean, I could not get enough of him. I, I left this conference called Doing This Stuff. Man, I just stayed in my room, just worshiped God, just learned how to play guitar, read the Bible all day long. Like, I didn't want to do anything but just be in the presence of God, just to, like, have a, an encounter with him. Like, it was just changing me from the inside out. My desires were changing. My, my temptations were going away. Like, the things that were tripping me up, I didn't even see. I didn't even care about them. Like, I was lost in his presence. I had a for real encounter, and that encounter brought transformation. It brought freedom, right? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So when he shows up, there's freedom in his wings. So, so I was encountering him, and I was experiencing the freedom that comes with that encounter. And I was changed by his presence, and I was being shaped from the inside out. It was affecting how I was treating my family. It was affecting how I was loving my brothers. It was affecting the way that I saw my friends. It changed everything, but I didn't deal with my foundation. I had an encounter but there were some rough places that in the momentum of the moment, I neglected to deal with the rocks in my foundation. And right on top of everything that God was doing and everything that he was moving and changing within me, there was still a rough place of getting my needs met in inappropriate places. Have you had an encounter with God? And thought that you were good. And then all of a sudden everything settles. And that foundation issue that was hidden, covered, begins to make the painting fall off the wall. Makes the floor begin to crack. You feel the internal shift. God had moved on me. That was real. But I had neglected to deal with the fact that my heart chased after girls to feel significant. So four months later, 
I'm in the same ditch that I was five months before I had had that encounter with God. Was the encounter not strong enough? No. The encounter was fine. I don't know what that was. It was kind of creepy. <laughs> Lord, are you speaking? It had nothing to do with the encounter. It had everything to do with my foundation. When we're talking about believing for big things to happen, we're talking about believing for transformation to happen in our own lives. The question is not, God, are you going to come? He's going to come. He is going to come. The Bible is clear. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be answered. God is going to come. But what's he going to land on when he comes? The work before the encounter leads to sustained transformation. Can I say that again? The work before the encounter leads to sustained transformation. You see, I don't believe that God wants us to have encounters with him that then lead to us walking away from him, longing for another encounter with him. I just don't think that's the heart of God. I think the heart of God is that we would have an encounter with him that leads to more encounters with him. That we have a desire for more of him on the back end of the encounters that we have with him because we're dealing with our foundations. We're, we're saying, God, what are those rough places? Where are those rough places in me? David prayed this prayer, God, search me and know me. Know every wicked way about me. Hosea declares, till up the fallow ground. Till up the hard soil of your heart. We, we have to not look past the things that are tempting us. We need to destroy the things that are tempting us. Freedom does not come partially. Freedom comes in totality. Foundations that are weak lead to partial freedom. But we have an opportunity. Isaiah 40 says, prepare. Prepare the way. Deal with the rough places, man. Don't, don't be ashamed of the things that are tripping you up. The Bible says, confess your sins to one another and you will be free. Man, when we become a vulnerable church, when we become where we have nothing hidden, then all of the things, those weak places begin to be filled with the rock of truth. Because here's what's amazing. Jesus was walking with his disciples and he said, who do people say that I am? Who do people say that I am. Man, what a powerful question for us today. Who, who do people say that Jesus is? And their response was super varied. I mean, some people say that you're a prophet. Some people say you're Elijah. And then Jesus looks at them and he says, but who do you say that I am? How do you see me? Who do you say that I am? And Peter, in Matthew 16, verse 16, says, You are the Messiah, the Son 
of the living God. And listen to Jesus' response. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed on heaven. This is more than just Peter getting a new name. This is more than just a name change for Peter. Listen to what it says. On this rock, I will build my church. What is the this? What's this rock? The this is the revelation of who Jesus really is. Seeing Jesus for who he really is, is the solid foundation that we need to be the church he's called us to be. It's about individuals seeing Jesus for who he really is. And on that rock, all of a sudden, the fluff disintegrates. The solid foundation lands. On this rock, I will build my church. I have no idea why God would choose to work with humanity. I don't get it. I don't get why right in the middle of seeing the greatest rescue mission in the history of the world to see all that God has created the earth to become, there is us. I don't understand it. I wouldn't have done it. We're volatile. We are filled with cracks in our foundation. We have mountains and valleys, and we have anger and frustration. We judge people, man. We're not kind-hearted. Why in the world would God, in the middle of his rescue mission, put anything on us? Because he sees that if we just see him, our foundation will be solid. If we just see him. So look, in the middle, this today is so much more than just about believing God for $40,000. So much more than just saying we want 40 new volunteers to see the, the work that God has for this church happen. No, no, no. We're saying in the middle of that, we want 40 hours of intercession for the six weeks leading up to this move because we want our foundation to be Jesus. We started this church almost two years ago with a series that says always only Jesus. He's our everything. He's the hope. He's the foundation. And all the fluff in our life, all the inconsistencies within us, all the rough places, all those valley moments, all those mountaintop experiences, the foundation becomes solid. The mountains all of a sudden become low. The valleys all of a sudden become high. There's a highway that's made when it seems to be a desert because on this, the revelation of who Jesus fully is, fresh encounters with Jesus, each one of us daily getting up and saying, Jesus, I want to meet you. I want to see you. That on that revelation, we will be a rock. We will be stable. The foundation will not be shaken. And nothing will be able to come against the church. Nothing will be able to come against the church. If our foundation isn't right, nothing is right. I love what Rich Wilkerson says, pastor in Miami, Florida. He says, every good thing can become a bad thing if it's a foundation thing. Every good thing can become a bad thing if it's a foundation thing. Foundations matter. If our foundation isn't right, nothing is right. And so we're declaring boldly this morning, if you didn't know, our foundation is 
Jesus. And that foundation is strengthened when we see him for who he is and we allow the Father in heaven to speak to us just like he spoke to Peter and give us a revelation of who God is so that when we are pressed, we are not crushed. So that when we are challenged, we are not destroyed. Because nothing is stronger than a church built on the foundation of the revelation of Jesus. If you're tired of the implications of building a house on sinking sand, if you're ready for the stability that comes in knowing Jesus for who he really is, not who your mom says he was, not who your dad says he was, but who he has revealed himself to be to you. I want you to stand to your feet right now. I want you to lift your hands right now now and I want you to say Jesus search me and know me know every wicked way within me because from the front to the back from the young to the old we're going to begin to say Jesus do something in me that's going to give me the strength that I need to be able to hold all that you want to do through me can you believe we get to do this come on church do you believe we get to do this do we get to declare his goodness we get to sing his praises we get to be a revelation of his goodness. Come on, let's sing. Sing it out with everything we have.